Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Single Girl's Guide to Life, your weekly guide to embracing that single life of yours in your 20s and 30s. Expect relationship chat, single life living and learning to be yourself as I share insights, wisdom and knowledge that will help you navigate your single life status. I'm Chantelle the Coach, a quarter life and confidence coach that helps women who are single, separated or divorced to overcome doubt and uncertainty and go through life changes with confidence so that they can work out what they want, make decisions and take action towards living a life that they can thrive in. And in today's episode, I wanted to explore something that I put into question when I left my marriage and I want to talk about this concept of what is love? What is it really? When you have something as turbulent as leaving a marriage happen to you, whether that's a breakup or just that significant enough change, and you're possibly exploring the concept of a quarter-life crisis in regards to your close relationships, intensely considering the way that you've previously seen the world and the way in which you want to see the world going forwards is something that you start to look at. And in this case, I think questioning what love is, what it involves where it comes from I even questioned what marriage was but that's kind of another thing another element to it when in actual fact in today's episode I wanted to get to the core of what is love and I think you start to look at the systems that are set up around you you're looking at things that have happened before you're looking for what you saw in your upbringing what you experienced and yes being centered around marriage and relationships we start to consider what is love. And I don't think this will be solved in one episode. I think there's so many different dimensions having considered it myself, having undertaken research in it. I think it's something that people will have different opinions on. I'm sure instinctively you've got something to say about that. So some of you will be going, well, you just know. And I think the people that have experienced love in that sense of what they're talking about know what that feeling is and see it in that way. And I think the reality of it is that shift in the hormones. And then other people would detail things like how you show that love, which is, you know, sweet gestures uh, that show some sort of thought, uh, give you that romantic connection. Again, more hormone work. But I think this would also lead on to love languages, which I'm going to talk about in a future episode. In brief, though, if you haven't heard of them, there are five. uh, And there's a quiz that you can do, Dr. Gary Chapman, that came up with these. And it tells you how you best see acts of love. Uh, And there are five different ones there. So head on to Google and you can look those up. And then there are also different theories around love and how it works. And I'm always intrigued by the concept of this romantic kind of love that we probably talk about most when we're thinking about love. Because familial love seems to differ to that. And familial love seems to be abundant. And endless because, take a very simple example, if you end up having a child and then have another child, your love grows. The one child doesn't receive less love because another is there. And it doesn't matter if you have five kids or ten kids or one, you love them all. Whereas when it comes to romantic love, it seems that we pop it into this box of that it must be all encompassing and that it's only exclusive for one person. And that's a really interesting concept to me and yet another aspect of kind of what is love as well. And so in today's episode, I wanted to discuss the concept of a theory that I came across because 
I don't know about you as another millennial woman, but I Google a lot of things in the first instance. Maybe your first port of call is friends. That's where you get some of your information from or where you watch TV and programs and Netflix and get ideas from there. I am most definitely a Google person uh, and rely on that for ideas. I still explore it in depth and don't take everything on face value. But to me, I like to read discussion boards and see what differences of opinion there are. Very interesting to do because actually there isn't right and wrong in this world. This has been coming up a few times in the Single Girls Guide to conversations that take place on Clubhouse each week where we discuss different topics that sometimes feed into this podcast. And this concept of right and wrong keeps coming up a lot because what is wrong really? And so whatever your answer is to what is love is going to be very personal to you. And it was important to me when I was questioning it to understand these different ideas. And I think, in all honesty, I'm still working it out in terms of what I believe it to be, what it looks like. But I have a much clearer idea of that and of marriage and what that stands for from a personal opinion. And so I wanted to share with you something that I came across. When I'm Googling, I feel like I very much want to understand I think it's a very INTJ thing. If you've ever heard of the Myers-Briggs personality types, I like to align with those. I've been doing those since 2015. And we are not the strongest emotional creatures if you're someone that aligns towards an INTJ. I appreciate if you don't like boxes, which I don't entirely. Um, You don't have to align to a particular personality type. However, I find it really intriguing to understand my own persona and the sort of strengths and weaknesses I have to then counter them. So it came as no surprise to me that I headed on to Google to try to understand something which I don't know if you can fully understand. It's not tangible. However, I think there are things that can help you to consider different ways that love looks, the way that love is. And I landed at a theory that I want to share with you that I think can help you identify different forms of love in your life. And if you've never heard of it, gives you another perspective on what love is and could be and how it can appear differently in your life and then also helps you to identify areas in which you might need different forms of love and what exactly it is that you're looking for because if you are going to venture back into dating you want to be clear on what it is that you're looking to fulfill and how easy it is to do that say or what the likelihood of getting those things is and this will make more sense once I've gone through the theory. So let me share with you what that is. It's called Sternberg's Triangular Theory of Love. It's by Robert Jeffrey Sternberg. He's still alive at the date of recording. Uh, And this theory was developed in 1986. And it is triangular. So we're going to just start out with a triangle. Imagine that in your mind. Don't close your eyes if you're driving. But you've got a really nice equilateral triangle. And it has to be equal. And at each corner, we've got one type of love represented. And these are categorised, we're going to start at the top as intimacy, bottom right is commitment, and bottom left is passion. It probably doesn't matter which way around they are, but that's where the models often look like. So intimacy, top corner, commitment, bottom right, and bottom left is passion. So those words are fairly self-explanatory. We'll just go into the kind of aspects of those because it's important to remember that when you're focusing on one of those at the very, very vertex, at the corner that it doesn't include the other two at all, is absent of the other two. So let's just go into that. So intimacy, 
it's called liking sometimes, that kind of liking love. So you're fond of this person, you know about details in their lives, you share things and it feels close, but it is absent of passion. And I'll talk about exactly what passion means in a minute. And it is absent of commitment. Again, I'll talk about that. And so feel free to disagree with me on this, but I think you could probably categorise a number of colleagues at work in this intimate part. So there's some friendships that sit here as well. It doesn't have to be from work. You like them, but there's not too much energy towards them, not too much passion. So in the work example, if you left the job, you might not keep in touch with them. But for the time being, situationally, you're fine. You get on, you're interested in what's going on. But really, the commitment will go once there's a shift in that. Let's come around to commitment on its own. So again, pretty self-explanatory, there's a dedication, a reliability to be there for someone, to have someone to call upon should you need them. That's a commitment. But in its very extreme and purest form, it is lacking of passion and intimacy. So when I think of trying to come up with an example for this, I think you're looking at potentially two scenarios here. You're looking at loveless marriages where people are purely still together because they are married according to the legality and they live together. They pay the bills together. But there is no passion. There's no intimacy between them. They don't share their lives. There isn't that energy. Or I also think in some scenarios where parents have split up, there's a commitment to raise the child. They don't necessarily particularly like one another. They're not going to take an interest in one another. There are also models that can do that. Um, And they very much don't have the passion for one another, obviously. So it's probably one of the less amicable models that would sit in this. And this love is sometimes called empty love, which makes sense. Because if it's just commitment, there's nothing else kind of going on there. But you will be there for that person for whatever reason. Maybe some family connections feel that way. The obligation to be there no matter what doesn't necessarily mean that you've got the energy to go and see them all the time or that you like them particularly much, but people do feel a duty sometimes towards family. So a few elements there to think about. And I think, again, sometimes this can be colleagues in a team. You're working on that project together, but really you don't have to get on with all of the team. It helps. And maybe the energy lacks towards those actual personal relationships so a few different examples for that one potentially of how commitment on its own these don't have to be ones that feature in your life these are just the model and part of the theory and then in the bottom left corner we've got passion so instant thoughts would go to kind of that sexual feeling but actually this has scope to go wider because it doesn't have to just be physicality it's to do with energy involved and what you're willing to bring to something So this kind of passionate love, which lacks intimacy and getting to know someone and commitment would arguably be some sort of maybe one night stand, in fact, because there's no commitment. There's just an infatuation. That's what they call this kind of love, infatuated. If you first meet someone and you don't know them, but there's that energy, then that would be it. Maybe it's a first date. Don't really know them. There's no commitment. And maybe that's what we sometimes call love. The butterfly feeling, the energy that we get. And so these are the corners of the triangle that kind of form the basis. And at each corner, they lack the other two. And I've tried to give you some examples there. And you may have some of those experiences in your life, whether that's personally or you just know a couple that definitely fit into that. There are definitely people married nowadays that sit in the commitment stage, but they don't really invest in one another, unfortunately to say. 
Now, they have choices. It's entirely up to them. You, you can still have an opinion on what something looks like. You don't have to pass judgment on why they do that and so on. But it's useful to reflect on where that is and if there's any kind of influences of those things in your life. And then we acknowledge that this can change. So if you have been on a date and you've got that energy and that passion, but there's not the getting to know, the getting to know part, the intimacy often comes next. And it starts to move into passion and intimacy where you are have the energy for that person, but you're also starting to learn about that person. And that is called romantic love. I think, again, this is something that we then shift from passion to romantic love, fatuous love to romanticism, because we're then starting to see if it's someone we want to commit to. Um, you don't know them that well yet. The commitment isn't there. Even if you say we're committed, we're together, we're boyfriend and girlfriend, that doesn't make it all three coming together because commitment is kind of grown over time. It sort of implies trust as well as that. But passion and intimacy is getting close and having that energy with someone. It doesn't have to be anything sexual at all. It's important to note that passion doesn't have to encompass that. Obviously, a lot of people would say it does. It's part of it for them and absolutely down to everybody to say that. But just to know, it doesn't have to involve that element. So that's romantic love, passion and intimacy. Let's move on slightly round. So let's stick with intimacy and commitment. And this is called companionate love. And I think it's a love that we see a lot of. We talk a lot about, and I think a lot of couples are still together in that there. The passion side, the energy can drop off over time. And I think that's the bit that people cite the most when the passion is lost, when the energy goes you are there for one another. You know each other very well. But where's that energy? Where's that get up and go? And that's the bit when people maybe start to question their relationships quite a lot, particularly if they have had maybe all three at a particular point and it's then gone. People accept this one. This doesn't seem to alarm too many people if that bit is missing and people quite happily stay together with companionate love for a long time. I initially thought of Ellie and Carl from Up because I was like, oh, hey, they look like they're good companions. They know each other very well. They spend a lot of time together. They're obviously there for one another, if you've ever seen that film. But actually, in speaking it out loud, from what they show, does the energy drop off? Yeah, okay, they get old. With age, their energy changes. But do they still have the energy to be there for one another and to really invest in one another? Maybe. Maybe that isn't actually the best example of companionate love. But Imagine they didn't do all these things together. They knew one another very well. They are together by marriage. They're living together. Um, and they just kind of go through life. I think it's very different, actually, for Ellie and Carl. I think they still do things together or plan to at the very least. But it's that element of companionate love. And there's a slight fondness towards it. And when we've got the last section, which is passion and commitment. So this means that you don't really get to know someone. So it's like the extension of a one night stand becoming something more long term. And it's called fatuous love. You kind of fall in love very quickly. You don't know that person very well, but you're like, yeah, I'm going to be with this person. And people can fall into the trap of that. It doesn't have to be a one night stand going into a longer situation. It can just be that you feel that energy towards someone and you're happy to say, yes, let's get married now. When you haven't actually invested the time to get to know someone and people do this and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But that fleeting feeling sudden rush and it's interesting that I think from both passion and commitment fatuous love and passion and intimacy romantic love you can get very similar feelings of 
you know, wanting to show up for someone. And maybe sometimes it is more passion and commitment, this fatuous love where we're convinced that this is somebody that we want in our lives for a long time, yet we haven't really spent enough time getting to know someone. And previously I said about it's about building trust. Probably it's it's from both there, from intimacy, it's the understanding and knowing someone that you can trust that their personality, their characteristics match yours or fit with yours at least. And the commitment bit is the trust that they will be there, that they're reliable. And it's that kind of element. So an interesting thing to kind of spew off from the passion element is that sometimes we get these feelings that tell us, yeah, this is all right, or like, yeah, this is going well. And maybe it's just worth acknowledging that that's those different kinds of love. Now, before we move on to the whole three, there's also an eighth love. So all three is the seventh. We've had the first three on the corners. We've had the three in-betweens. We've got the one that encompasses all three, which I'll talk about in just a moment. And then we've got this one that sits outside the triangle, which is called non-love, where there isn't any passion, liking or commitment. And that's not a problem. You walk past people in the street and that is non-love. There is a love that exists or doesn't exist, as it were, where there's no feelings towards someone. You don't know them in any particular way and there is no commitment to them. And that's non-love. But it's worth mentioning that that exists as well. And lastly, we have the three. The one that encompasses them all, and that's the consummate love, which consumes. It is all of those three together. There is a commitment to being there for one another, a reliability. There is an energy and there is an intimacy. You know that person very, very well. And you continue to get to know one another as your relationship develops. You continue to be there for one another and show up. You continue to bring energy to a relationship. And that is ultimately what consummate love and what a lot of the love we talk about is. And the reason I bring this up is because I think it's important for you to identify when your relationship and any connection you have is in those different stages and where your friends sit. Because the relationship, the partnership, the connection you have with your friends is different to that of a romantic partner. But they are still relationships. They still need maintaining. And actually with that kind of definition of passion having that slightly open definition of energy means that there could be this fulfilling kind of love but there is a a physical need in another sense that has to be fulfilled in another way it doesn't mean that you don't feel loved doesn't mean that you don't have that all-consuming feeling in a different particular way it just depends on how you look at kind of passion I think very specifically there and so the reason for telling you about this is so that you can understand these types you can start to look at your life and see what exists in your life. Who do you have that sits within each of these corners? And who do you have that sits along some of the edges of the triangle? And some people are going to sit right in those corners very, very safely and they'll never move out of them. And others will move out of that and be a blend. And they might even move into the triangle. If it's into the triangle, then you're starting to get elements of all three. Elements doesn't mean that it has to be this really strong, centred one in the middle. But if you then imagine all these people that you've got dotted around that triangle, you can then start to evaluate what love it is that you're really fond of, what things that you get energy from, and what then is lacking. And you can do this as well by evaluating what other things that you see. Because maybe you've never really looked at love through the commitment element you see lots of people coming and going in other people's lives and that's how you've seen love and so maybe understanding that commitment level even just within friendships of being there being reliable keeping up making sure you put the time and effort in is another way of looking at things it's just something to start to consider 
Now, this one in the middle personally challenges me because it's such a high, strong idealization of that consummate love. The one that sits right in the middle, I mean. So you've got like this perfect equilibrium of it all. It's what all the kind of movies look like by the end. I mean, is it? Do they really know one another in all the senses? Uh, We're seeing a snapshot in time. And I think sometimes that really skews our view of what love is because we see that and we think it's got to be like that all of the time. And I don't believe that that's the case. We know that over time we change as people and relationships develop and evolve. In fact, relationships and connections can change in a day because they fluctuate based on what's going on. Have you got the energy for someone based on the fact that you're incredibly busy at work at the moment nope so for that time being maybe what felt like consummate love three months before has now lost some of its passion for a bit because there's another priority and you know that that's got to come back a bit later on and this can happen with friendships as well you know if if people move away then you've lost that commitment to one another potentially if you haven't kept that up and so then you have to consider how you then bring the commitment back when there's the opportunity to and it's shifted But it's worth reflecting on these different words. The more that you can use these words and get used to them, the idea of intimacy, commitment, passion, and understanding what they mean to you and what they look like and how your relationships fit into that, your current friendships and connections. And then that way, you can then evaluate it even further. But it's important to remember that every connection you have fits somewhere on, within, or outside of this triangle. Even the people that you don't get on with so well. There may be a commitment to them, but not a passion or liking. There may be people that you don't know in this world and have no connection to, and that's non-love. And there may be these people that fit so wonderfully in different places. It doesn't worry me about having that person in the centre, because I have a number of different people round the edge of that triangle in very different ways and slightly coming into the triangle, slightly coming out. I think that's sometimes the comfortability I have with being on my own because I'm not trying to chase this one singular person that fulfills that particular thing. If it comes along, then wonderful. It's something I cannot control. I can do things about it to increase the odds. I've spoken about this before, but I also know that I have all these other people that, yeah, they move up and down different sides of the triangle based on what's going on in life, what's going on in my life, what's going on in their lives. Ultimately, I know I've got all these different people that fit into these sort of different areas. I wouldn't place them in a box. I spoke about boxes earlier with personality type. Just because I say, oh, yeah, there's an intimacy behind our friendship. I really know them well. Doesn't mean that they can't then move to that intimacy and commitment stage. That companionship, as it were. And it looks different. And I know different people have different ideas and say, well, yeah, but they're not going to be with you till you're 80. I think it's a really hard ask to ask anybody to be there when you are. 60 50 60 years from now and obviously that's part of what marriage is and it comes down to what your beliefs are around how a life works and the comings and goings of what life is and letting go and letting life flow rather than trying to keep everything the same trying to keep control of it so that you know exactly what's going to happen like clockwork every single day because part of life is accepting that it's going to change and no matter how many plans you put in place, there's always a curveball ready to kind of catch you around the corner and change directions and catch you out. Okay, and you could be like, well, I've got stability in these things. Wonderful, we still got to deal with all the other stuff. But sometimes embracing the changes that happen in life, including our relationships and the way they ebb and flow 
and understanding these different corners of Sternberg's theory is quite useful in that sense. And so in today's episode, I'm not highlighting that there's anything wrong. If you want to go for that consummate love, then go for it. If you identify some of the friendships and relationships you have in your life that fulfill some of the corners or edges, brilliant. And start to consider that. So that's what I really want you to do. I want you to think of the three different categories, the three subcategories, which are the pairings of the two, and the one that sits in the middle. And I want you to see how those different categories apply to your relationships. And I'd also like you to see where you see those types of love in others. And lastly, I want you to think about how could you use this model to inform developing your relationships, both those that are more platonic and those that have kind of romantic intentions. So you've got three things to do, considering the three corners, the edges and the one in the middle. You can consider non-love as well, but really want to focus on the relationships that exists. Where do you see those different categories in your own relationships? Where do you see them in others? How could you use this model to inform developing your relationships, making them better, stronger than they are, be that platonic or romantic connections? And that there is Sternberg's triangular theory of love. I hope that's been a useful insight to you to start to understand a different way or just a new way of looking at relationships and that you've got all these different types of love that don't take away from one another at all, that ebb and flow in and out and that there is an abundance of ways to love somebody, an intimacy, a passion and energy, a commitment, a being there, a reliability and a combination of all of those things. I'd love to hear your opinions on this. Any thoughts on what there is in your life, what you've seen in your life, or what you are missing. Head on over to Coach on Instagram to connect with me, to drop me a DM and tell me how you've got on in this episode. And if you've enjoyed this episode, then please head to the reviews on Apple Podcasts and give it a review to say what you think of the podcast so far. I hope you have a wonderful week and until next time, keep thriving.